Intrepid Radio. This is Control. We are go for an on-air check. Control, Intrepid. We copy an on-air check. Intrepid, this is Control. You are go for Intrepid Radio. Cue music and cue talent. Intrepid, you are live in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Intrepid Radio, you are live and the clock is running. are listening to Intrepid Radio, where we spotlight innovators defining the new rules of marketing, business, politics, and life. And now, here's your host, Todd Schnick. Good afternoon, and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. I'm Really looking forward to today's conversation. It should be pretty interesting, considering it'll be one introvert interviewing another introvert, but this this will be fun, I suspect. I want to welcome Susan Kane, who is the author of a new book called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you, Todd. It's great to be here. Well, I'm uh, grateful that you made the time to join us. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, before we get into a conversation around the book, Susan, why don't you take a second and just share with the audience a little bit about you and your background? Oh, sure. Well, gosh, I, you know, it's actually been a kind of a, a interesting road to writing this book because I um, I started out my adult life as a Wall Street lawyer, of all things. And when I started practicing, I actually kind of had the idea that because I'm more of an introvert that I would be at something of a disadvantage because I had this notion that, you know, a good lawyer would be very bold and extroverted. And then I found to my surprised that uh, that many of my colleagues at my law firm were introverts um and that they and and I guess I too you know were were really good at practicing law because we were drawing on our introverted strengths and I started to think about the ways that that we tend to underestimate people who are quieter and more serious and more reserved um but that they have like their own little sort of tool belt, belt of powers that um that are quite potent and so that's kind of and and that, in a way, is the fuel that drove this book. You know, I, I think that we live in a society that is biased against introversion, and that that's really a big mistake. And so, so I, so I was practicing Wall Street law for many years. I was starting to notice all this, um, and then I became a consultant, and I started training people in negotiation skills, um, and people really started in the business world kind of confiding in me and opening up in um, in candid ways and. I was starting to hear from a lot of people that they had the same sense that I had had that that because they were quieter they were at a disadvantage and I just started to think gosh you know what's going on with this that doesn't really make a lot of sense um and so I wanted to explore it more and uh and hence this book was born well Susan I I think there are more introverts out there than people realize uh and, yeah. you, and you've talked about that I mean let's look at myself for instance I mean I my business is in podcasting for goodness sakes I I have my own podcasts and then I I, I help my client execute on there. So I make my living talking to people, which is when all my friends realize what I do, they're like, wait a minute, Todd, you're, you didn't utter a word in high school. You were a shy, introverted guy. You know, I, I suspect there's a lot of introverts in, hiding in their shell, I mean, right? I mean, what, I, I, I love this book because I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to free some of our, of our 
frightened brethren and maybe coming out of their shell a little bit. What, what, what kind of reactions have you been getting from this book? Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, um, according to the recent stati- the most recent statistics, 50% of Americans are introverts. Um, 50%, <laughs> it's like one out of two. Um, you know, and it's probably about that in other countries too because the U.S. is more on the extroverted side of the spectrum, if anything. And yet it doesn't feel that way, as, as you're suggesting, and I think that's because a lot of introverts kind of pass as extroverts. Um, but yeah, what I am hearing from people is that they feel like this, this book and um, you know the, the, the kind of national discussion that's going on about these ideas right now that it's freeing them and giving them permission to talk about who they really are and to you know talk with themselves about who they really are and how how they prefer to spend their time. And you know, I'll tell you one funny thing is I would say that gosh, maybe eighty eighty five percent of the um, of the Radio hosts who have interviewed me about the book have told me that they're introverts too. Um, so, you know, it's funny. Like, you think of this as a stereotypically extroverted profession, what you're doing, but there are introverts everywhere, and we just don't realize it. Well, you gave a really phenomenal TED Talk, which I wanted to commend you on, and I will link up to in Thank the show you. notes. Uh, but you talked about introverts making this self-negating choice where they just try to be who we are not. Why do we do this, one – and do you think there'll be a time when our culture, I'm not talking, I'm talking our just culture in general, but, but I guess particularly in my case, our business culture will, will come to recognize and celebrate introverts like us? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I think that um, introverts today are kind of where women were in the 1950s, 1960s. Um, so, you know, kind of massive um, bias, massive discrimination against this half of the population, just as just as there was with women back then. But also similar to women back then, I think we are poised on the brink of great change. Um, and that you're asking about businesses, I think businesses really are starting to understand, wait a minute, you know, I want to get, I'm a manager, I want to get the best out of half my workforce's brains. And maybe I'm not doing that right now um, if I'm setting everything up for extroverts. So I think people really are starting to confront these issues and, and think about them um, in pretty exciting ways. You know, for example, I've been talking to Jim Hackett, the, the CEO of Steelcase, which is the big office manufacturing company, um, you know, and he's really thinking deeply about, hmm, how, how can we design office spaces so that there are places for people to you know, gather and chat for the more extroverted sides of themselves, but also nooks and crannies and, and private spaces for the introverts. So I think change can come and it will come. Um, but until then, you know, you ask why why do so many introverts kind of hide who they are? And and I think they're doing that because they are, are given to understand from the time they're very, very young, you know, the time they're from early childhood on, that the cultural ideal is to be gregarious and extroverted. You know, and if you're, if you're not that way, you know that you should be. So people get into the habit of, of kind of trying to fake it as best they can. You know, and some some people are better at faking it than others. But even for the ones who are really good at it, it does come with a personal cost. Um, It takes a lot of energy. And, you know, I think kind of even worse than that, like people who could be or would be spending time, you know, writing or or working on science projects or, you know, whatever, all kinds of solitary pursuits, they don't do those things often because they feel like, well, I really should be out at a party right now. And so they dutifully, you know, leave their house when, when they might be like, doing something really productive by staying home. Well, you made the point in your TED Talk that introverted children are sometimes labeled as problem children. Yeah, I mean, very often they are because um, in, in our classrooms in particular, you know, there, there's so much emphasis 
on group work, so much emphasis on classroom participation. So, um, you know, one recent study found that the majority of teachers believe that the ideal student is an extrovert, and introverted kids, they, they're, they, they're seen as outliers. You know, a, a kid who wants to go off and work by themselves, who prefers the company of just one or two friends and not so much part of, like, a big merry band, that, that kid is an outlier in today's culture. And, and kids know it, you know, they, they do understand it. Now, now, some teachers are very sensitive to these nuances of temperament, others less so. You know, that I, I think the larger problem is our entire, the whole structure of childhood is really based on, on uh, group activity. And, and that makes it hard for a kid who doesn't really adapt to that very naturally. Right. No, heck, I really struggled in school for that very, very reason. There are all kinds, and there's hundreds of studies, Susan, that talk about how significant majorities of people are unhappy in the workplace. They they don't like their job, and 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 it's, I, I'm beginning to believe that a significant chunk of those people who claim in a survey to be unsatisfied are because they're an introvert living in an extrovert world. Do you believe that too? Yeah, yeah. I think that makes a whole lot of sense because um, you know you go into the typical workplace nowadays, you're usually in an open plan office, right? It's more than 70% of offices nowadays. Um, people are working in these gigantic rooms full of people without walls, um, with no privacy, which I think is it, it's kind of dehumanizing for extroverts as well as for introverts. Um, and I actually have a lot of studies in the book where I talk about the problems with these offices for, for both kinds of people. Um but yeah, you know, I, I think things are set up in such an overwhelmingly extroverted way that that, um, that many introverts going to work just feel like, huh, I'm like they're exhausted by the time they've begun their day. And um, we would do well to rethink these things, and to and, and in particular to provide people with just more chances to for solitude. You know, more places to go off and think, or just to um, not only solitude, but you know, to to kind of communicate with other people in quieter, low-key ways quiet, private, one-on-one conversations as opposed to a constant hubbub? Well, that's a, that's a great segue into another question I have is, is is what can management do to foster an environment where an introvert can thrive? I, uh, I, first of all, I think they have to, uh, I think more important question before that one is right, how does a manager who has a team under him or her, how do they learn to recognize an introvert in the first place, so that they can say, okay, Jane is outgoing and, and would be great for a team leader type role, but Bill is a real quiet fellow, and I now, uh, but I understand that now, and so I can I can put him in a in a in a in a role or in an environment where he can get some some of that solitude and do his work. So first, so the question is, what can management do to foster a better environment? But but also, how can they better understand and learn their team? You know, the understanding and learning can be a tricky thing because some people are very obviously introverts or extroverts, but there are plenty of people, as we were just talking about, who um, where you can't exactly tell, you know. In, what, I, what I think the, the best thing management can really do is set up structures in which both introverts and extroverts can thrive. So, you know, if you're thinking, how do I design my office, you want to, you want to design it with um, with different kinds of places that people can opt to be in, you know, so places where they can go when they want to be more extroverted, places they can go when they want to be more quiet and more private. And then similarly, like if you're having a meeting, you know, to think about how how can you structure that meeting so that both types are going to thrive. Um, So something like 
handing out an agenda beforehand and really asking, ma- making it part of the duty that you have for this meeting to actually think through what's on the agenda and come prepared to participate it. And what that does is it gets the extrovert thinking beforehand. You know, many extroverts sort of think out loud, so they they tend not to look at agendas so much before a meeting, you know, and, and they're, they're kind of processing as they go. But extroverts would actually benefit from, from doing more of the thinking beforehand. Um, and introverts, similarly, you know, the problem that they have is in meetings, they don't like to think on their feet. So if you give them the chance to have prepared everything and kind of cogitated it beforehand, you're more likely to actually hear what they have to say when the meeting starts. So that's just one example of, of you know, changes that one can make that, that uh, benefit both. Sticking with the, the management theme for a second, how big a problem is the hiring process itself? I mean, I, I'm imagining a, a typical, and I haven't worked in a corporate environment in a long, long time, so I'm not as savvy as, as that to that process as, as others, but, but I can imagine if I'm an executive or in management and I'm hiring, let's say I'm interviewing a couple of people and the clear-cut extrovert is going to be more outgoing and, and talkative and maybe more comfortable in that kind of an environment, whereas an introvert will be a little bit more reserved. I, I fear that that a management is going to lean towards the extrovert because it just seems to be the better hire. I mean, how big a problem is that? And do you see that, that framework of the hiring process changing, or is there a lot more work to do in that in that regard? Yeah, no, there's a lot more work to do in that regard. I, I think you're right about that problem. Um, I also think that companies are relying, or I won't say relying, but increasingly they're they're making personality tests a component of the hiring process. And that puts introverts in a really terrible bind because, you know, many want to answer the questions truthfully, but they know that if they answer them in a way that presents them as introverts, that they're less likely to be hired, even if they know, you know, perfectly well that they can do the job. You know, so what do you do in a case like that? I, I think that I think that is a real issue, and that management really needs to think through. You know, there there are some jobs where having like a truly extroverted persona is is pretty key and pretty crucial, but most jobs are actually not like that, and you just want someone who can do it well. You know, I think of a story someone told me, a woman who's the, the head of a big national uh, fashion design company, and she told me that she realized to her dismay that her that her managers were selecting as lead designers for the various lines. They were selecting people who were really good presenters but who were not the best designers. By the time she realized this, the appointments had been made, and she had to spend a lot of time and a lot of political capital undoing these appointments because she knew that she, they weren't going to have the best clothes. Um, so, so, you know, I, I think people really need to remind themselves in the hiring process, you know, the, the people who are the best presenters, they might have the best ideas, they might do the best work, but they may not. So, you know, don't don't be fooled by that. Don't only be focusing on that aspect. Can introverts succeed in sales? Oh, gosh, yes. And, um in fact, in my book, I, I profile uh, a guy named John Berghoff, who is a real superstar salesman, um, you know, beat everybody in his company's sales records by far. And he did this specifically, and he's also an extreme introvert, and he talks about how he did this by by using his introverted traits. You know, he he, he says that in sales there is a maximum that we have two ears and one mouth, and we should use them in that proportion. And, you know, so that's what he does. He's a great listener. He's a great asker of questions. And he really tunes into his his sales prospects' wavelengths and can understand what they need and what they're looking for. And I 
all the time I meet people who tell me, you know, I'm a real introvert and everybody thinks I wouldn't be a good salesman and I am. I, you know, I, I, I just think there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat and we often don't realize it. You know, we, we think that only the extroverted model is the way to go. Well, I've been on sales calls where I've I've been with an extrovert and and that person is so wanting to to spout wisdom and knowledge that he almost doesn't listen to to the prospect and, and wants to convey his brilliance. Uh, and I think the fact that I'm more reserved makes me more effective because I am I am giving the prospect a chance to to explain their situation and predicament and why they need help. So I, I agree with you on that. We've talked about. Yeah, and I don't. By the way, I, I don't want to say that extroverts are not good salesmen or that extroverts, oh, sure. you know, like don't listen to people. I, I, like I, I, you know, I, there's a danger of um, me being too cartoonish about this, and that's not my point. My point is more that. You know that that extroverts can be good at sales, introverts can be good at sales, and they, but they get there through different ways. Um, right. Yeah, and that there's more there's more than one way to get to to success. Right. Uh, no, I absolutely. We've talked about some things that management can do. What is your advice to an introvert to say, here's how you can begin to thrive in this modern, really really noisy world? Yeah. Well. I mean, I, I, I do think that most introverts need to do a little bit of faking it, you know, for want of a better word. Um, I think that that's actually a natural and healthy thing to do, and I think extroverts need to do it too. You know, an extrovert who needs to sit down and write a memo for several hours, you know, they might prefer to be out and about chatting, but they have to force themselves to sit down and concentrate for those hours. So same thing with introverts. You know, they have to sometimes force themselves to go to networking events or what have you. But the key when you're doing that is to understand that you're you're acting in these uncharacteristic ways kind of temporarily and that you're going to come back to your natural temperament soon enough and that you're going to give yourself the breaks that you need. So if you're having a morning of having to act out of temperament, going to a lot of sales calls or something like that, you you say no when somebody asks you to go to lunch that day because you know you, you want to shut the door and have lunch by yourself. Um, so that's one thing. And then another is really learning to use your own strengths, even in places where it seems surprising. So we talked about sales already. You know, another area is leadership. There's actually this fascinating new study out of Wharton that has found that introverted leaders often deliver better outcomes than extroverts do because they're introverts. You know, because when they are managing proactive people, they're more likely than extroverts are to let those people run with their ideas and implement them, whereas extroverts are much more, you know, wanting to put their own stamp on things and getting kind of really excited about what's going on, and they may not as easily hear other people's ideas. That's all a long way of saying, you know, you can be a leader and be an introvert if you're using your own strengths. So, you know, you push yourself a little bit to do the public speaking or whatever doesn't come naturally to you, but you also make the most of the stuff that does come naturally. I have an opinion on this question, but I'm curious to know or to hear what you'll have to say about it. But is social media good or bad for introverts? Well, you know, it's really mixed. Um, And if you had asked me that question five years ago, I would have said, pretty unequivocally that it was good for introverts because many introverts like social media you know they feel like it's a way of that they can express themselves um to large numbers of people you know without necessarily having to leave their their office or their home and uh, studies have shown that introverts will say they can express the real me online you know in ways that they might not be as comfortable doing in real life but lately i would say social media is changing and it's becoming more about self-presentation, more about kind of putting yourself out there as opposed to 
expressing yourself for, you know, just expressing ideas for their own sake. So it's becoming a little bit more of a mixed bag these days. And I'm curious to hear your opinion on that. Well, I'll be honest with you, Susan. It's been really good for me because, you know, it's how I look, – look, introverts still need to connect with people. <laughs> we still need Absolutely. interaction. Absolutely. We still want human contact. We still want to – we still need people, you know, it's, which is not as comfortable – at least I'm not as comfortable in the social environment. So social media enables me to connect with people and, and yeah, to, to express myself in a way that that, uh, that I am comfortable with. And, and to your point, yes, I can do it from – from uh, from my sofa, you know, and why I love podcasting is is I can connect with people such as yourself and and learn and network and build relationships. But I don't have to go into a to a big event where there's hundreds or thousands of people and where which is not a naturally comfortable place for me. So, right, uh, you know, right. I I'm with you though. I mean, but the point you made on terms of having to uh, self presentation and that that's a problem just social media and that's becoming this this loud mouthpiece where where that isn't necessarily a comfortable place for us but uh, i I think it's been good for me and that it's it's given me a way to connect with people in a way that was that that was comfortable for me so uh, right right yeah no that absolutely makes sense hey one last question i i think uh, and it talks about creativity i it it seems that extroverts are the more creative of the two, and I'm not talking about art. I'm not talking about painting, making music, or writing poetry. I'm talking about creativity in a business environment where you're doing problem solving for your clients. But I think you put introverts in a position that stifles their creativity. And we talked on this, touched on this a little bit over this over this broadcast. What can we do to lift the shackles off of these introverts and allow them to to be their creative selves? Sure. I, you know, I don't know that I'd agree that extroverts are the more creative of the two and I, I know you say you're not talking about art and so on but maybe they're louder sorry, go ahead. promoting maybe they're louder in promoting themselves yeah that's certainly right one interesting thing in the business setting is you know creative problem solving sessions tend to get done in groups that's how we tend to think they're supposed to get done and so we we get you know you have a creative idea that you want to come up with and you get a bunch of people in a room for a brainstorming session. Now the funny thing about that is literally 40 years or more of research has found that individuals brainstorming on their own produce more ideas and better ideas than groups do. And yet somehow we don't pay attention to this research. You know it's funny. There's this one organizational psychologist, Adrian Furnham, who looked at the research and he concluded businesses. The, the evidence from science suggests that businesses must be insane to use brainstorming groups. And, you know, like all the evidence shows that if you want people to be creative and productive, you should have them working on their own. And yet we don't do that. I think we should. Um, and that would clearly be better for introverts. It would be better for extroverts, too. Um, what I'd really recommend is a process where you send people off to brainstorm by themselves and then have them come together and share their ideas with a group. So a kind of hybrid process where you're getting uh, the best of people's individual brains and then let them kind of come together as a collective. No, I've been in environments like that where where I was forced into a brainstorming session and it wasn't comfortable. It was it was tense and I didn't feel as productive, but I felt the sense of relief when I could be in a position where I could quietly generate my own thoughts and ideas and I'm so much more thoughtful when I'm when there's silence. Uh, yeah, and, then, and, and, it, then the, yeah, and apparently most people are like that. You know, you you would think that it's just introverts who would feel this very strongly, and they probably do feel it more strongly. But these findings apply to extroverts as well. 
you know, at the, at the end of the day, we're we're social animals, and we worry about what other people think of us, which is inhibiting. Um, we instinctively pick up on other people's ideas without even knowing that we're doing it, which inhibits our the originality of our own thinking. You know, introverts and extroverts both really need to go off by themselves to to see what's inside their own heads. You kind of can't do it in a group. Right. Well, Susan, uh, I've taken up enough of your time. I'm uh, really grateful again for you joining us today. Before I let you go. Where can people contact you, learn about your work, and where can they get their hands on this book? Oh, thank you. Um, So the book is called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking, and it's for sale pretty much everywhere, (laughs) you know, your local bookshop, um, your Barnes & Nobles, your uh, Amazon.com. I also have a blog called thepowerofintroverts.com, and I'm on Facebook, Susan Cain, and you can also follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Susan Cain. C-A-I-N, and I would love to connect with you. All right. Well, Susan Kane, again, author of Quiet, the Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. It was so great to visit with you, and thank you again for making the time to join us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Todd. All right. Well, that wraps this episode. On behalf of today's guest, Susan Kane, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you next time on Intrepid Radio.